Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Heather. And I'm Mark, and we are your co-hosts. And we're here to take a look back into the Jewish roots of our faith. For the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. This podcast is a part of the Youth Cartels Podcast Network. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. It's Heather here, and Mark and I have been walking through the past few weeks the parables of Jesus. We are gearing up for a cohort that we have that's launching on October the 1st, where we're inviting youth workers to journey with us for six weeks as we walk through some parables of Jesus from his first century Jewish context. So last episode, we talked about some sweet parable hacks, or as Mark put, maybe parable keys, if that is more your fancy. And so today we're going to be looking at a passage Um, We're actually going to split it into two weeks. Week one is going to be the parable of the lost son, and so is week two, but we're going to look at the two different sons, and we're going to see where do we see these parable hacks show up in these parables, and maybe it'll help wet your whistle for what we have coming with our parable curriculum, and we'd love to have you join us for that. So Mark, you excited for this conversation today? I'm excited. You're on a wet your whistle kick. That's the second (laughs) consecutive episode where you said it. Is there someone in your life that says that a lot? You know, I think growing up, I heard that a lot. I was actually just thinking that after last episode. I'm like, does anybody say that? Wet your whistle? Is that a thing? When you said that, um, I thought like, whoa, that's like, she just pulled a term out of like years gone by. Like, let's get so-and-so on the horn when you're making a phone call. Or, you know, if you have a grandparent that calls a couch a Davenport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's awesome. All right. Oh. Well, let's wet some whistles. Let's whistle. <laughs> hey, seriously, though, uh, friends, youth pastors, what we're doing <laughs> is not, uh, we are not going to teach at you or preach a sermon or uh, this is not a teaching. This is, can we help you recognize the structure yeah. of a parable so that when you're teaching them, you know exactly what you're doing? Okay. Should be really fun. Okay. All right. So if we jump into Luke 15, it says, Luke 15, 1 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered or grumbled, blah, 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 blah. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then right after that, it says, Then Jesus told them this parable yeah so which which hack do you think just happened heather parable hack context is key yes context context is key he we have jesus hank this is the green day jesus he's doing cigarettes and coffee with the underbelly and the pharisees are ticked off about it and they start complaining and uh that's the point where jesus starts to tell a story so you can bet Whatever he says yeah. is aimed at this scenario yeah, where you sure. have the people of the land yep. who the Pharisees view as far from God. They, they're like, they're way outside. And Jesus is going to say, eh, let me tell you a story, right? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Now he's going to rattle off back to back to back three parables. And what we have going on is the rule of three. Boom. Okay. So the first one he tells is funny because it's about a shepherd losing a sheep. And he's saying, basically, if a shepherd loses a sheep and he has his 99, he goes and finds the one, right? But think about that. 
the the God character is someone they view as unclean. Okay, so religious leaders think that shepherds are unclean. The birthing fluids, the excrement, right. like they would basically only touch a sheep to take it to sacrifice. It, it it was like an unclean profession, and that's the God character in Jesus' story, right? That's interesting. But that's interesting because I mean, David oftentimes refers in the Psalms, "The Lord is my shepherd." And isn't yep. God referred to as a shepherd in Isaiah as well? Absolutely. There's there's like basically a double-edged sword imagery going on yeah. all through the Bible of shepherding either being uh, like code for God looks after you like a shepherd looks after us yeah. or for uh, basically these are the dirty outliers outside the city watching shepherd. Kind of like the work of... Uh, the work of watching shepherds made you unclean, right? Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'm on there. Maybe I'm off. But he does it again right in a row. Well, like I can see second. what you're saying because, I mean, the low man on the totem pole was always given the job of being a shepherd, right? We see that yep. even in the life of David, he was a shepherd. He was the smallest, the youngest. So he was given the least significant job. Yeah. Yep. It's an underdog God. That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, like, like in the, the, um, in the Hebrew Bible, well, actually all the way shot through God loves the underdog and the marginalized character and we'll use them to do something great. Okay. So Mm -hmm. parable one, you have a shepherd going to find a sheep, Mm -hmm. just like we ought to go find a sinner. Yeah. Parable two, God is an old woman who loses a coin (laughs) and basically searches all over his, uh, or her apartment to find it. You have to realize the people of the land might lean in and kind of snicker uh-huh. and watch for what the Pharisees, like how they're going to react here. Sure. Cause he's not only going after their heart that like, you don't bother to go find people. Yeah. Like uh-huh. what kind of leader leader are you? Yeah. You know, yeah. go find the people that are far for, from God. Right. He's not only like teaching to their heart, but he he's taking these liminal characters from society, mm-hmm. an old widow or a woman has like no recourse yeah. legally has right. like no status or power. Yep. And she's the one searching for a coin and they gets compared to God. Mm-hmm. Right. So what we have here is two jabs that yep. would have made the Pharisees, in my opinion, feel a little bit uncomfortable. And then we're going to have the haymaker punch because of the rule of three. Yeah. Right. So yeah. boom, boom, boom. That's and then man. boom. Yeah. And then the third one is going to be like, whoa. And um, this one, the more you understand it, and specifically just a, the few key things we talk about, we've talked about, mm-hmm. the more you map the idea that God's on top of the parable, and then we're going to have two characters that map for the people of the land, like the poor 99%, and the religious leaders who, um, in Jesus' view, think they're above everyone rather than serving them. Sure. Right. Um, So when we map it onto what we've learned about how Jesus sets up all of his stories, Mm -hmm. then it becomes really uh, shocking and something to be considered. Okay. All right. So it says, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country, 
and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. Wah, wah. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Okay, so if we stop there, mm. all right? Yeah. Um, in our first century youth ministry curriculum, we will teach you all the deets that make this story just bonkers cool, right? Sweet deets. Yeah. But for today, look at the setup, all yeah. right? The father of the house is yes. is God. He, repre- yes. he maps onto God. And then we have two sons. One says, forget you. I'm, I'm going to the Greek city where everyone parties. I'm, <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going to Paganville, right? I'm going to Vegas. And the father does it. The father says, okay, take your share of the inheritance and go. He divides his estate. The other son stays and does what he's supposed to do, right? Yeah. So just map that. Yeah. The people of the land, according to the religious leaders, well, this is what they've done. They basically said... I don't care about you, Father, or what you asked, yeah. or what we're running here. I don't care about the household that we're supposed to use to represent your name, right? right? Like the land of Israel. Yeah. I'm out of here. I'm going to Decapolis, and I'm going to party. Yeah, for sure. And then Jesus' story is fascinating because it's not like it's not like everything's okay. The kid ends up at the end of himself. Yeah, for sure. He he ends up like eating with pigs. There's nothing more revolting Mm -hmm. to a religious Jew. So he really does end up like a tax collector or a sinner or or a streetwalker. Yeah. So so then we have the two parable hacks within this, right? Yeah. Yeah. One being symmetry. Yep. We have the symmetry. And then the other being the absurd element, right? Yeah. The the absurd element is actually like not just that this kid goes to his father and asks for the inheritance, which is insane. Like if a teenager heard this story, he, he, they would laugh because it was so just shockingly yeah. disrespectful. You just never do it. Right. It, it, it'd be like kicking your principal in the backside. It's and just then like, being like, mm, it's no big deal. Here, let me turn around. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. It's It's stupid disrespectful. Yeah. But the father does it. That's the absurd element. He's right. like, okay, you're my kid. Live your best life. And <laughs> YOLO. I'll see, see you on the other side. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so people would have been shocked by this story, and they would have grown more shocked as the kid went and uh, ends up like feeding pigs, like the most gross thing imaginable to the Jews, right? Yeah. And this kid's at the end of himself. He's eating pig slop and it says he longed or he longed just to eat what the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. It's like the empire has chewed up this kid, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is son number one. Yeah. If we map the, the parable, we're staying to one side of the cemetery yeah. and we're going to track with son number Correct. one and we'll come back around to son number two next episode. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, well, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and Mm -hmm. against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
make me like one of your hired men. And so he got up and went to his father. So the kid decides basically to turn around because of like his own ruin. And he's not even, he's not even, it's not even like he's, it's it's not like he's even hoping to be like, remember map this on, on Israel and their mission to represent God to the world. It's yeah. not like the kid's like, Oh, well I'll go back and do the right thing now and represent my father's household well. And I'll be such a model son that everything will be fixed. He'll be like, could I just be like a slave and get by? Yeah. Right. Yeah. How much would that track with the people of the land? That's right. That are like, can I just get by every day? Yeah. And would God just meet me in that? Right. But it's how beautiful. much would that track with our kids who've went to their own place of hurting and following, yeah. you know, falling far away from God and they feel like they're a second class citizen that they, they, you know, don't matter much more in the kingdom of God. You know, my husband and I just got word yesterday that a friend of ours <clears throat> who we are close with at church relapsed in their addiction and yeah. and I said to my husband, okay, this is time for the church to rally around them and love them instead of shame them and make them feel bad and take things away from them and, you know, make them feel like they can't ever be a leader again in the church. I mean, this is what Jesus does, right? Is he rest- always, re- always restores dignity in people whom the society yeah. has tried to shame. And that's, I think, I think that's right. Like, not only is that what the church should do. Mm-hmm. The moment that person has come to, the moment this kid and the story has come to, and the moment our students come to is actually just wanting their innocence back again. Like if they could get anything, a lot of times they've they've gone down the wildest road they can in the name of freedom or curiosity or just everyone else was doing it. And if you could get them to be straight with you, they just want their innocence back. Yeah, totally. That's That's what they want. Yeah. Okay, so... Kid comes home and it says, but while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Yeah. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son says his rehearsed speech to him, father, I've sinned against heaven Mm -hmm. and against you. I'm no longer worried to be called your son. Remember the people of the land. I'm no longer to carry the name of Yahweh to the world. Wow. But the father looks around, says to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And so they began to party. Jesus' story, like, like, again, we're not teaching you. We're not teaching a sermon here. Jesus' story lands on full restoration of the people of the land character. Yeah. You can absolutely come back and participate in the kingdom of God, no matter where you've been and what you've done. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Mark, I just, I love this conversation because I think oftentimes in our Western Christianity, we take the Bible and we say, Okay, how does the story of the lost son apply to us, right? And we contextualize Mm -hmm. it in a way that completely removes it from at least attempting to try to understand it from its first century context. But when we understand it from its first century context, we can easily bring it into our world and apply it to our lives today. 
Right. You have to map it there and then map it here. Yeah. Instead of saying, well, how are you like the lost son? Say, how are you like the lost son who's supposed to represent God in the way he lives, but badly fell short of that? And what does the father say is possible? It's possible to be completely restored and represent the name of God again. Amen. Yeah. That's, that's what we see. That's that, huge. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what we see that Jesus communicated to his first century listeners. So Mark, this has been a super great conversation. Anything that you want to add to the conversation before we wrap things up today? Just that we had a mashal, which oh. was a comparison story, right. back to back to back. And then we ended with a nimshal. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. It's not about a son. It's about these people that they were complaining about. Yeah. And that's the that's the mic drop, except he's not done. And that's episode two. Woo-hoo-hoo. See you in a bit, everyone. Yeah, which we're excited for episode two. So tune in next week for that as we'll kick the ground running. Wet some more whistles for um, <laughs> the parable of the lost son. <laughs> and uh, we will, uh, hey, so <laughs> I got to read. Heather's like bright here. red huh? because I made, Heather's like bright red, everyone, because <laughs> I made fun of the wet ear whistles. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so hey, join us at firstcenteryyouthministry.com. We've got some sweet stuff going on there. Uh, we also have a yep. Facebook group. We'd love for you to join us there, First Century Youth Ministry. And we're headed to Israel in August of 2022. And as long as Jesus doesn't come back before then, and then we would love for you to join us for that trip. And we'd love for you to get plugged into our cohort that launches on August or October the 1st. So, friends, thanks for joining us for this episode, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>